Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good evening, everyone. It's Carlos, a.k.a. CJ. I hope everyone's having a fantastic evening. It is Tuesday, October the 25th, and I'm very excited for tonight's interview. Uh, tonight's interview is with James Siniak. Uh, James is the Libertarian candidate for Indiana Senate. Uh, I'm, you know, Again, uh, his bio, um, I'm going to be sharing with all the links to his site are currently up in the description of this video. So please do me a favor, uh, go to his website, uh, bookmark it, learn more about James before I bring him on uh, here in just a moment. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of background. So James grew up in a conservative family with five siblings in Northern Indiana. He has a large family that taught him how to understand the importance of a strong community, which is a, is a foundation of a lot of things that we talk about here on Rogue. Today, James serves with, uh, as an autism behavior therapist. He uses his education to help his clients acclimate to their daily environments by building social skills and teaching them how to manage their behavior. So with that being said, James, welcome. How are you, sir? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's a good night and it's it's getting close to the election, so I'm excited and we're on the tail end of this, so putting a lot of effort into it, but Yeah, we're super close, me. James. We're, we're, we're super close. Here it is, uh, literally less than, what, a week and a half away from that that magical uh, Super Tuesday and I, you know, I went a little bit through your bio, James, but I probably didn't do it justice. Why don't you go ahead and do, me, do us a favor? Why don't you share a little bit more about yourself, James, and also why you're running for U.S. Senate, please? Yeah, so uh, a little bit about me. I grew up in northern Indiana. I'm a lifelong Hoosier. And uh, with that, I, I grew up in a very large family, very conservative family. And we got. I was homeschooled and home educated and uh, part of the hands-on learning that my mom instilled in us was to do things very hands-on so politics she had us volunteer for campaigns uh, she had us go to grassroots movements and really get involved and so i had an interest in this at a very early age i went to college for human services because i always felt that i wanted to serve uh individuals in one way or another and so i went to bethel university graduated uh, did some factory work and then Finally made it down to Indy and started working with kids with autism. And this is such a rewarding field. Uh, behavior therapy, there's so many amazing things about it. You get to see a lot of rewards daily as well as a long, the long haul of, of what these kids do. So I get to see what happens when they push through obstacles. I get to see what happens when the community comes around them. And, and it's such a rewarding field to be in. But behavior therapy definitely applies to politics as well. Uh, behavior is everything. Behavior is how you run your business. Behavior is how you understand criminal justice. And so when I was looking at a uh, possibility of running for office, I, I wanted to run as a libertarian because that's what I believe. That's the philosophy I believe in. And um, I wanted someone who was able to communicate 
the philosophy at the top of the ticket that really would be able to take it to the general public and and translate it for them in a way that communicated what what our philosophy is about. Awesome. James, you know, there's so many things I want to uh, congratulate and thank you for, uh, one of which the first and the foremost is running for Senate uh, in Indiana. The, the second is the, the, the work that you do with uh, children with autism. It's a, uh, a, a something that lies near and, and dear to my heart in terms of uh, helping those individual. And I know it is mu- very much a caring type uh, profession that you have. So hats off to you uh, also for stepping up, being brave enough uh, to put your name out there. Uh, the amount of time that it takes in this effort to run for Senate in conjunction with that, having a full time job having a family and having a second full-time job of running for us senate (laughs) james let's let's jump into it you know one of the things that i did preparing for this interview was to watch the debate the recent debate that was held uh, with yourself uh, with todd young and i apologize i forget the democratic contender's name as well Uh, but can you please specify and talk a little bit around the differences in terms in terms of what your efforts are your vision and and the contrast as it relates to the political establishment, please. Yeah. So the debate uh, specifically, I wanted to go into it with solutions and have really a civil conversation. Uh, Tom McDermott, the Democrat that was running, his whole strategy was an attack strategy, gloves off, uh, but very little actual solutions. Uh, he's a one issue candidate. His one issue, I take that back. He's a two issue candidate. His first issue is abortion, and that's the main one he's running on. And then uh, cannabis was very early on in his campaign, and, and that was another issue. But he just went hands off, but very little solution. So he attacked Todd Young a lot on spending, but afterward he said he'd do the exact same spending. So no solutions there. Uh, Todd Young was mostly on the defense. Uh, very little actual policy that he he went over. Um, he basically was trying to respond to Tom McDermott's attacks. And then I was attempting in the middle to – give Hoosier solutions, but there's only so much solutions you can give in 60 seconds. So uh, the debate is a unique forum and I'm proud to be on that debate stage. But really when I present my solutions, I I like forums like this a little bit more where we can actually have real discussions with real people and and talk about the issues. Yeah, I I completely agree. The latest uh, voting in terms of the, the top issues as it relates to the majority of Americans that, and the, the top one, James, which is truly no surprise is inflation. And in, in, in speaking to, to inflation, one of the misconceptions that was first around was that this is a transitory type inflation. It's going to be here. It's going to pass. And unfortunately, James, there's numerous factors that contribute to the inflation, uh, not only to the logistics that you mentioned uh, through the debate, but also primarily in terms of how the government is recklessly spending money. Recently, we just passed $30 trillion in terms of a national deficit. Why don't you share a little bit in regards to the libertarian principles and philosophy regarding spending, please? Yeah. So first off, we are in a recession, uh, despite what anybody tries to make it out to be. Uh, the Americans are feeling it. And I, I look to, for example, Allison in my home county where I was campaigning and she's said, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I feel it. The grocery bills are going up. I have to make decisions on what I can pay versus not. And so Hoosiers are feeling this. Uh, Americans are feeling it. And it's a very real issue. Now, what's causing this issue? We can directly correlate it to spending. The spending of Washington, D.C. And uh, we look at the American dollar, for example. And really, all they are is is promises. 
promises of something of worth. And so when the government overpromises, inflation happens because the market responds. So I'll give this example. Um, my good friend, Jeff Moore, he, he likes to talk about this as well. And I love this example that he gives because what happens is, let's say I have to move and the neighbor promise, promises that he's going to help me move uh, this Saturday. But then I find out he promised 10 other individuals that he was also going to help them move. Well, he overpromised, and we all know that that is no longer a value. So that's exactly what's happening with the American dollar. They're overpromising its value and the free markets responded to it. And that inflation is very real. It's a taxation on uh, individuals, especially lower class individuals who really can't afford that inflation and the buying power of their dollar. So the real solution is to actually reduce the spending of Washington, D.C., to look for a balanced budget and to uh, cut that waste in Washington. So we, we need better solutions. Uh, our current incumbent in Indiana, Todd Young, is outspending Bernie Sanders, and there's no promise of it slowing down. He just went in with the CHIP Act, which is another transfer of wealth from individuals to a lucrative uh, chip industry. So, so his spending habits... Uh, is is absolutely ridiculous. We need spending sanity and uh, fiscal sanity in Washington D.C. And that's really what I want to represent. Yeah, very very well said. I I think it's a huge misconception, and it's it's very unfortunate. There's such a low lying target right now with the current administration. You know, it's it's you know one of those things where you get the conservative side that's consistently mm -hmm. punching holes in in the current administration. But when you look at the vast amount of history and you look at the current establishment, whether it's Republican or Democrat, the national debt and currently where we are did not happen overnight, James. It did not happen overnight. Both parties have continuously, uh, you know, spent money. Uh, yes, it's for different means in terms of different social programs, a little bit of contrast there. However, when you look at the, the amount of deficit spending that's occurred in the past 25, 30 years, it's driven around the, this belief that the government spending is, is helping the gross domestic product, the GDP, but yet it's contributing to the inflationary matters that we're currently realizing in, in real time. So, yeah, I can I completely agree. I think in terms of of, of dialing back the amount of spending uh, that's taking place on, on, the, on the federal side of it. And almost if, if you take a look at it in the current state of matters in regards to companies and corporations, nearly everyone is looking at streamlining their efficiencies, streamlining their processes. But when you look at government, it's one of those vicious things that just continues to grow continues to expand. What are your thoughts in terms of how do we dial back that size of government? Uh, how do we establish the check and balances that need to be established uh, with, with, with their spending? Um, it, it's a huge effort, James. So what, what, what are your thoughts in regards to how we can do that at the federal side? Well, this is uh, really why I love being a libertarian, because it's the only philosophy that reduces government size. The problem with the Democrats and the Republicans, both is that they look for government solutions to every single problem, which increases the size, it increases taxes, and it increases the intrusion on individual lives and individual freedoms. And so really the only way to uh, approach this is to look for solutions that are outside of the government. If we want to reduce the government size, if we want to reduce taxes, if we want to create co competition and more innovation, uh, we have to look at free market solutions. We have to look at... Uh, American solutions, innovation and inventions and what we were known for in the beginning of America. So the philosophy there is, is we have to often go outside of the government. 
And something you pinpointed about the 20, 30 years of spending, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans are both only against spending when the other side does it. So Todd Young, uh, he he's against spending when Biden's doing it, but yet when he's doing it, it, it's completely fine. So how do we pick which bills are actually contributing to inflation? Uh, the reality is, is we can't, uh, all this spending is contributing to that. And both sides are just as guilty. So, so looking for um, ways to bring down the waste and, and uh, the, it, it's very complex, but I look at things like the penny plan, which really looks at each agency in a realistic way of reducing that by 1% every year for five years. And then you further it from there and see how much accountability we could really bring to some of these organizations. And, and this is the kind of common sense solutions that I believe Hoosiers are about, as well as Americans. And we want to see a more sustainable economy. And the problem is, is what our spending habits right now is doing is it's going to cost our children. It's going to cost our grandchildren. And we're just kicking the can down to them, which is very irresponsible of us now and very uh, narrow sided. So we have to do something for future generations. Correct. Yes. Yes. Versus versus increase uh, spending on on social and the belief that that government can help stimulate the economy. Government can be the the go to consistently versus saying, hey, you know what, perhaps maybe maybe lowering the tax rate on a certain class, lower income, middle people. Let's put some some more money directly in the hands of, of, of Americans versus versus, hey, the government's going to spend more money and we're, we're going to also buy into that trickle down economics thing that's going to help eventually at the end of the day. But yet the middle class in America continues to be decimated by the higher inflation, uh, the, the, the across the board, whether it's food, whether it's energy, the rising uh, cost of borrowing money, whether it's housing, yet alone the rent rate. Um, one of the things let's pick on Todd Young for just a moment, because <laughs> it's fairly easy to do nowadays, especially with his his belief that I didn't contribute to the to the deficit at all, even though he signed off on a huge amount of that that deficit spending the the past eight years of his tenure, I believe it's eight years in the in the Senate. But one of the levels of disconnect that was very obvious to me, James, when he was speaking specifically around around cannabis. And he said, and and I and it it was it was almost hurtful in a way when he said it's one of those, it's a it's a third tier type, you know, focus of mind. It's not a one tier, it's not a second tier, it's a <laughs> third tier type focus. Really, it's not on my radar. To me, that was a very significant uh, really not understanding of, 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 of the industry, of, of innovating industries, because when you look at some of the states that, that have legalized, James, you see a massive increase in, and not that I'm a fan of taxes. I want to make sure I'm clear with that, especially being here with you, a libertarian. I'm not a fan <laughs> of taxes. I'm not going there. But what I'm saying is several states have been able to leverage and utilize the tax base, the tax revenue from cannabis to help in a lot of their social programs. So why don't you speak to that? Because I think that was a huge disconnect to me. It it really was almost like a, a, a just a huge gap in his knowledge of really anything economic. So why don't you break that down in terms of, you know, what your thoughts are? And and, and I know you probably done your research in, in regards to some of the states and the taxation. Again, let's re repeat that. Not a fan of taxation, but it's helped in a numerous states with different social programs. Go, go ahead, James. Absolutely. So cannabis uh, it is a driving force in the economy. And Todd Young is wrong on this issue uh, on numerous um, for numerous reasons. The first is it's not a third tier issue to Americans and it's not a third tier issue uh, to Hoosiers. It's it's a very real issue that has uh, broken up and, and targeted minority homes and 
And so uh, we can talk about the economy of it, which I'll go further into, but also the criminal justice side, when we're jailing more than any other population or more than any other country uh, by population, it, we really aren't in a free country. Um, so, so cannabis is something we need to open up from the criminal justice side, but also from the economy side, the hemp industry, the CBD industry, all very blooming industries that we can utilize here in Indiana, um, especially hemp farmers. We can, we could definitely look at that. And one thing I would love to do is connect it with the RV industry. Uh, hemp can be used for many things within the RV industry and the RV industry drives Northern Indiana, especially the Elkhart area. So uh, with cannabis and with this issue, I, I believe that economically we're going to be better off if you look at states like Colorado or, or California, who did provide for social programs through it. Uh, I I prefer to tax it like an apple, but I also will meet um, other politicians where they're at. And if we can uh, create a better economy with this and some of that may be taxation, uh, it's better to have cannabis legal than not. So uh, for multiple reasons. And so again the economy will thrive um criminal justice system will improve and really this is an issue that we need to understand from a federal perspective but the banking industry is one that i would really like to address with this and, and this is where the federal really comes in so for those states that have it already legalized transferring your money is very very difficult because the federal banks don't have actually laws that allow them to transfer that wealth and so the feds are still coming in and taking that money which is just a gross um, it, it's thievery is what it is. Um, so, so that's another issue that we have to take care of on the federal level. And there's two easy ways to do this. One is the more act, which Congress did pass, but the Senate dropped. I anticipated that happening, but the easier solution and Biden's really failed on this because, uh, he just announced his one plan with uh, federal possession charges, which is very, very few Americans who actually get a federal, uh, possession charge, usually possessions, uh, not not a federal charge uh but the reality is is all he has to do is make the administrative move of taking it off the schedule and that would be a huge step in the right direction so many things we can do on this issue it, it's not a third tier issue as todd young likes to claim definitely can help drive our economy and and i believe it'll benefit hoosiers and americans yeah well very well said i mean if you take a look at the current uh, thought process in regards to you know greening our economy and you mentioned you mentioned hemp in particular in the vast history that hemp has in our country uh, everything from the textiles to the different types of biofuels that could be established uh, we don't have to we, there's there's a solution right there right there's a solution that is just is just waiting we just have to put put, put forth the technology to help uh, move that that uh, forward uh, you also spoke in regards to the the reform in the criminal justice system uh, which you you witnessed several states that have been very uh, no bail release. Uh, some of these uh, the crime rates that are cr currently you know basically just dismantling uh, social things. Uh, you know, and and when you look at one factor that's contributing is whether it's New York, whether it's Illinois, it's these liberal policies. And and I'm not saying that everyone should be locked up, but at the same time, uh, there has to be some type of clear and and it's it's a top issue when you look across the board at voters in regards to what's happening in these cities, um, you know, Chicago, which is close to us and their, their, their crime rate, uh, it's something to be, be considered that, you know, when it, if we could take cannabis off the radar of the law enforcement officers and, you know, allow them to focus more on, on violent crimes that are occurring, not, not the nonviolent crimes and relates to cannabis possession, it could really help us, James. Absolutely. We need to target um, real crime and, and that you're right. That is 
crime that where we see victims at high uh, murder rates in Chicago, Indianapolis is actually increasing quite a bit. And when we can look at that focus and, and redirect it towards uh, making sure we create safer communities and and looking at those violent crimes and, and addressing them in a very serious way, uh, we definitely, definitely can do better with that criminal justice part. And uh, ultimately, I, I also believe cannabis um, legalizing it makes it safer for citizens as well as police officers because uh, we're not enforcing something that um, it, it, it's a lot like alcohol, for example. When we it was the wrong focus when we did prohibition with alcohol, and it actually killed tens of thousands of individuals. And and now we see that result. But the same thing's happening with cannabis. So. I look at it very much like alcohol, and I think we could refocus our attention to actual violent crime. Yeah, very well said. Let, let's pivot for a moment, because one of the other issues that I thought would be uh, one of the top issues among voters, uh, however, isn't. But it's it's there's currently pending, I believe, uh, on the next legislative side in regards to the midterms. And that's uh, a funding that's currently be pr being proposed right now, James. And that's an additional $30 billion uh, to support support Ukraine. And I want to get your thoughts on all the foreign intervention policies uh, that have taken place. Um, to, to me, it's such a huge disconnect in terms of the the, the billions. And, and let's not even call it billions anymore. If you if you tally it up, it's probably well over a trillion dollars plus that we've spent on all these type of foreign intervention policies uh, that have really not yielded any type of results. We didn't learn anything from Afghanistan, James. We spent 25, 30 years there trillions of dollars literally to vacate Afghanistan to the point where we were watching planes take off with literally people hanging from those. Just talk to us, James, about the principles and the side of, 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 of uh, foreign intervention policies and what your thoughts are on that, please. Well, first, part of my libertarian philosophy and why I'm drawn so, so much to the libertarian philosophy is we're the only party of peace and we look for diplomatic solutions wherever uh, it's concerning. And if you listen to the debate, you heard me speak about uh, how long we've been in war. And most of my life, uh, we've been at in some form of war. So Afghanistan definitely failed there. Um, and, and Hoosiers and Americans are really exhausted and tired of seeing their brothers and sisters, their fathers and their mothers come home and, and absolutely devastated with PTSD, uh, the mental side of it. We see high homeless rates among veterans um, or among homeless. We see high rates of veterans. And then we also see high, very, very high suicide rates. And this is affecting American people. And uh, war is, is something that we have to take very with a heavy heart. And it's the last resort. It's the last action. Uh, it is Congress needs to take back its act of war. Um and whenever we intervene, uh, that needs to be Congress decision, and unlike what we're doing currently. And so with the funding in Ukraine, I also look at that, and I believe that we're actually escalating war with, with that funding. Uh, we're, I mean, it's definitely intervening in a way that is accelerating this war and, and ultimately will not be good for the American people. So I do believe there are solutions and, and those are diplomatic solutions. They're looking to our um, neighbors in, in the world and looking for ways to put pressure on Russia without the economic burden that we're currently doing. We don't even have the money to sustain our own economy. Why are we sending it to Ukraine? 
Um, and that burden, again, is going to go on to future Americans. It's going to go on to our children and our children's children. Very narrow sighted. And so ultimately, um, I want us to come to the table. I want us to look for those diplomatic solutions. I believe war is like an iceberg and we don't have to be the Titanic and stare right into it. We can we can avoid it at all costs. And that's where I come at from a senator. I, diplomacy, it's a really lost art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that most people um, in terms of understanding peace, that that peace doesn't necessarily yield the the profits to certain institutions um, that, that that the government wants to wants it to. Uh, so hence the reason why that these these uh, needless and endless spending just continues. Um, I want to you, you mentioned the, the the veterans and the homelessness among our veterans. Uh, not only that, but in terms of the the suicide rate that's occurring there, and it's it's truly tragic when you think of somebody who commits and sacrifices their livelihood, their family to serve our country, and then after their tenure uh, they they leave the military. That we we don't support that, and it's it's very unfortunate. I think one of those driving factors is in, in regards to healthcare and the massive amount of of, uh, of expenditures that are spent on healthcare. Not necessarily the expenditure, but the rising uh, rates and inflation that's occurring. I've kind of changed my uh, my uh, attitude, I guess you will, or my my belief system in regards to to healthcare. Kind of have ch changed a little bit the last several years, and and primarily is because seeing how the inflation is in fact in, in, in impacting healthcare. I think we recently got our most recent healthcare uh, selections for heading into 2023 and we're looking at double digit percentage increases and it's a very unfortunate as 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 the united states we spend more per capita on healthcare than any other country but yet we have some of the worst health outcomes and life expectancy it shouldn't be that way james we live in a first world you know nation that we should be able to take a look at healthcare you probably see this consistently on an everyday basis with your profession, looking at those shortcomings. I've experienced it myself, looking at the mass amount of money that I spend, yet whenever you go for some type of routine physical treatment or physical exam that there's still dollars. So how, how do we kind of like look at that in terms of a, of a country and start to make meaningful change within our healthcare system? And not that I believe that we have to evolve into some type of universal healthcare, however, and stating that, I think healthcare should be one of those fundamental fundamental things uh, that's looked at. That's not necessarily treated as a, as a right in this country. It's one of those things that we do, looking out for each other as far as humanity. I know that sounds big and far reaching, but what are your thoughts on healthcare in our country, and how can we kind of reform there, please? No, this is a great question, and uh, it stems from we want to take care of our neighbors, and and we want the best healthcare system. So you're you're right um, when we're looking at. The healthcare system as a whole and and making sure our neighbors are taken care of but the first part i want to address is the veterans issue and the veterans health care i actually do have a plan for this uh it's a an original plan by my team and myself it's called vet care and this is addressing veteran care needs uh, i believe that we've really failed our veterans and um the promises of the republicans and democrats have not fixed their health care system and so we look at a lot of those issues and so to open up their healthcare system, I looked at taking away the red tape, making sure that they can get better access to, to healthcare. So how I do that is uh, lateral funding from the VA to uh, something very similar to health savings account. It's called a veteran's personal care account. And what it does is it allows them to go to whatever physician best meets their needs, whatever location is most convenient. And then it addresses some other issues, uh, long-term care uh, addresses, um, what I call the reverse boot camp, which basically we train 
individuals how to become soldiers, but then we need to give them the resources and tools to come back and have a successful civilian life, address their PTSD, address the questions coming back from war, especially overseas. overseas. So there's a lot to this program that I absolutely believe will improve veterans' healthcare. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about just healthcare in general for the American people, there's also ways we can do uh, a lot better for our system. And so you mentioned it, that we actually spend a lot more than countries who have socialist healthcare. Um, and our, our system is still failing uh, as, far, as far as the expenses. And uh, I hesitate to go to the doctor because of how much I have to pay out of pocket. Very real decisions. Uh, do you ha- do you go- need to go to the doctor for this or not? And those are hard decisions as, as Americans, but we can make medicine cheaper. And we do that by the pa- opening up the patent system. And someone wanted me to explain this question uh, a little bit more. So I'll go into a little bit more detail right now. But with the patent system, uh, medicine has become less competitive. And so what I encourage is, is uh, these life-saving needs like um, insulin, for example. Uh, when, when a company makes their profit back, that patent then becomes open so that we can make medicine more competitive, cheaper, and more more with a free market. And I believe that will actually benefit Americans in the long run. It'll drive down cost. Um, and there is a lot of issues with red tape still. A nurse in Northern Indiana emailed me about all the shortages of nursing. And that's a huge issue right now. We, we have labor shortages everywhere, but nursing is one of those fields. And she points to the red tape and how difficult it is. Um, so I want to look at that and I want to make sure that we're taking care of the employees in the healthcare system as well. So there are things we can do uh, to better our healthcare system. And a lot of it isn't actually increasing the size of our healthcare system. It's making it more efficient and better. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's a, it's, it's a complex thing. It's not easy to navigate through. I, I, I really like your idea in regards to a, um, an account, a savings account that's leveraged for healthcare that, uh, vets can leverage that. I think that's the, that's the least that we can do, figure out how that works. Uh, I'd also like to see a little bit more of a, a proactive reward system for individuals who, who are healthy, uh, you know, being proactive in regards to uh, natural health care, you know, finding solutions. And again, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's not like we're going to be able to scale this back and, and you know, one magical legislation is going to fix all of us. It's going to take some time. But more importantly, there has to be uh, some middle ground established. Uh, and that's one of the things to me that the Libertarian Party does is consistently leverages. And it takes a look at, you know, not the uh, the far left, not necessarily the far right, but understanding that the adults need to enter the room at some point, you know, begin some conversations, begin some dialogue uh, to make meaningful change for Americans that are going to help all of us. Not not individual interests, not corporations, not the funding to our, our political campaigns. Uh, but those are going to help Main Street versus Wall Street. It's just it's just that important, uh, James. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I I do love that idea. I think I think that could uh, definitely spark uh, some some uh, conversation. Uh, James, when you uh, are, are elected to, to U.S. Senate, one of the things I, I can talk talk about consistently is disrupting the political establishment. And I and I talk about disrupting a lot of things, disrupting. Uh, the traditional, you know, banking system, uh, tradition, and and, uh, and and to me, the politics is, you know, one of the large factors I think that needs to be there. And I think if you look at the growth of the Libertarian Party, uh, when you look at the disconnect that a lot of Americans have, and national polling shows it, right? Uh, trust in not only our media but also trust in our in our politicians. I think it's it's a very unique time. It's a very unique time for Libertarian candidates to 
you know, make meaningful uh, conversations to help people. So I want to afford you the opportunity, James, to uh, share more about about what your ideas are in terms of what you will bring if you are elected to U.S. Senate. So uh, go for it. The, the, the platform is yours, James. Yeah. So um, you're right. We need to have adults in the room. And I think even if you look at the debate, you realize how childish our uh, politics have become. I mean, when a good de- when a good debater is considered somebody who's just yelling at the other guy for spending too much, um, that, that shows the level we are at with our politics. And I believe in civil conversation. I believe coming to the table and looking for real solutions, looking uh, – to both sides and, and be more centered approach, because I believe that's where most Americans are. I don't believe in the rhetoric of the far left or the far right. I believe that most Americans are, are somewhere in the middle and more freedom leaning. And so that's who I want to represent. Uh, what I tell people is actually electing a libertarian gives you as Hoosiers and, and Americans the most power, right? So uh, a lot of people ask who I caucus with. Well, who I caucus with isn't important because what's going to happen is is it's who i can negotiate with that's really important and um when we talk about the senate and how closely it's often split both sides are going to have to come to the libertarian and say we need your vote on this issue well that gives the libertarian voice the most influence within that bill to say well you're not going to get my vote unless a b c and d and so if hoosiers elect a libertarian they will actually have the most power within the senate because both sides will need to come and negotiate with that vote. Um, something that's very, very important and, and people don't understand and realize uh, they only talk about, oh, well, the Republicans are in control of the Senate now or, oh, the Democrats are in control of the Senate. Well, let's put the people in control of the Senate and really have someone who wants to represent them. Um, that's how I believe politics should be done. I, I believe it should be done from a public servant's heart and mind. And, and that's how I want to do it. No, very, very well said. And I and I firmly believe like I know that uh, everyone has great intentions that, you know, they're running for office. They they they, they want to get to national level. They want to help. But there's something there's something that happens, James. There's something that happens once they get to Washington, D.C. Right. There's there's something that that, you know, changes where, you know, when they're they're running for office, they talk about reform. They talk about uh, term limits. They talk about fiscal budgeting. But then for some reason, once they get to D.C., they sell their home back in their own states. Uh, they they move to Washington D.C. and and they're there. So there's there's meaningful change that that, that we can make. Uh, James, do me a favor if you could. Could you please share uh, with our listeners where they can learn more about you, your campaign, and also your site, your website information, please? Yeah, definitely. Uh, very active on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, you can find me at James Seniak for U.S. or Facebook. Uh, Twitter, it's Seniak Number Four Senate. And then uh, my website is www.seniac4senate.com. Um, and that's all spelled out. So four is spelled out in that. And right now, it's a grassroots movement. So I need uh, you to tell your neighbors to vote and why the Libertarian candidate is the best option in this race. Um, definitely consider donating as well. We are still buying newspaper ads, and, and that's an important part of it. But we can't do this without uh, Hoosiers and, and those who support me. Uh, I don't get funded by lobbyist that's not something i'm about and i believe that if we're gonna do politics right it has to be funded by the people for the people 
Exactly. Exactly. Uh, James, I want to thank you very much for your time uh, this evening and for our listeners. Do me a favor, go check out his website. Uh, it's one of those things that we actively talk about here at Rogue is getting involved on a local level. It, it can it can bring forth meaningful change. So, James, uh, thank you so much for this evening and a great interview. I look forward to watching your progress through the election and take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right. There you have it, everyone. Uh, James Ceniak. Uh, James, again, you can follow his work. The links are in the description for his website and also his Facebook page. Uh, you know, again, it's one of the things that we consistently talk about here at Rogue is getting involved and actively staying in, uh, you know, involved at the the, the local level, um, looking at things that are happening uh, here here in our country. So I want to thank all of our listeners. Do me a favor before you leave. Uh, jump over and hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet over to CJ Open Mic Cast. Uh, also, you can follow my work over at, at Producer CJ One on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. And we will be back tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So take care, everyone. Stay safe and God bless.